All right, uh, let's uh, start with the first uh, real content of the lecture. Um, the lecture will have a couple of chapters. Uh, obviously, we start with chapter one. Um, basically, chapter one is a motivational introduction. Actually, it's a bit more because there will be already um, content covered. Um, the lecture contains larger topics in chapters. And the first chapter already has a small dip into these topics, not in depth like we do later, but just to a certain level so that one get a feeling what uh, is ahead in the future. There's still already some technical contents in the first chapter, though uh, not to the part that we are now doing, the motivation part. There will be a bit of talking afterwards in the uh, following subsection, uh, the data flow uh, analysis, there will be constraint uh, based analysis or um, basically it's control flow analysis. So we do data flow analysis, we do control flow analysis, we do type and effect system, there will be algorithms. There might be more information or more material that I cover in this uh, semester, I'm not sure, maybe adding something about static analysis, uh, static single assignment or other uh, topics, um, but currently that's the, uh, the overview. Now let's just dive into the first section of the first chapter, the warm-up, the motivation in some sense, so what is static analysis, what for, and so on. Uh, in the face-to-face uh, uh, -face lecture on Monday on the campus, um, I used other slides, slides that I had used in some uh, presentation earlier, um, simply because the slides are um, yeah, more polished in a way, um, so I use them to talk about this motivational kind of stuff. Um, for this recorded one, I simply go to the, so to say, slides, which are halfway official. In so far, they also correspond to the script version. But the motivational part is, is um, kind of like similar anyway. Uh, you can also look at the other slides if you wish. I also uploaded them on, uh, on, the, on the net. Anyway, what's a static analysis uh, and why does one use it? Well, static analysis, uh, we could should also say static program analysis because that's what we are doing. We are not analyzing uh, other other things than programs in a, in a wider sense. Um, and static refers to the distinction that one does between uh, compile time, which is, corresponds to the static part of a program, um, the part which is done before it is run and there's compile time or static time so to say and there's the run time which happens afterwards so what happens at the compile time well that's compilation the compiler is responsible for the compile time uh, of course so in a way uh, one could say that everything that um, the compiler does is static analysis well, that, that's a very broad thing. One could make it even broader. One could say that um, some people do. Uh, could uh, One could say that things like analyzing a program by code reviews is static analysis. People sitting and going with a finger to the printout or on the screen and, and, and trying to figure out whether they spot something not right. Well, um, that's some people call that static analysis. We don't do that. For our lecture, what we are after is automatic uh, static analysis. It's kind of like a theme also of the of the of the lecture. 
uh, what we want is not just analyzing things we want to figure out uh, can one automate them is an algorithm to do that not only type types what are types but can I describe a type checker that does it for me so in a, in in the way that it's a part of a compiler um, all right now still one could ask the question is isn't uh, the compiler just a big uh, static analyzer yeah well one could do so um, however often one says uh, um, code generation may not be per se static analysis maybe the result of static analysis you you invoke a number of static analysis to in order to get good code but the code generation is not maybe um, static analysis um, there's other parts of compiler which typically is not seen as static analysis and these are the so to say easy part we will see on the next slide what i mean by easy part uh, basically it refers to the early phases which deal what the people would say syntactic properties the parser the lexer and the parser deal with syntactic properties or one could also say lexical properties the lexer does that and the parser does the on top of that the syntactic properties uh, adherence to a context-free grammar uh, for instance and uh, this is typically not counted among the static analysis part um, which is the part that comes afterwards though of course looking at the word one could say no yeah well it's uh, the, the parser parses some uh, some stuff and that certainly analyzes it so in that sense it's certain it's it's kind of like static analysis but um, not many people would would argue like that now what why does one want to do that why does one do static program analysis or why does a compiler do static program analysis they're basically two uh, um, two purposes one is error catching I mean potential error catching I would say we come to the the um, the qualification potential errors uh, later um, and catching them at an early time so not at runtime so stumbling upon them and the, the program crashes and so on um, yeah that's one uh, uh, one uh, um, uh, one purpose obviously for instance the most well-known um, thing in that context is type checking it is most well known because static analysis may do fancy stuff uh, deep down in a compiler perhaps dependent on the platform dependent on things that the user has never heard uh, or never bothered to think about um, however uh, most users even the most uh, beginners ones are aware that the language has a, uh, a type system mostly when we say type system we talk about we, we mean a static type system but anyway the user is aware of of uh, that the language has not only variables and and, and procedures and whatnot but uh, things are typed in a more or less complicated manner and the rules may be complicated or maybe simple but uh, everyone probably knows they are types and that you can um, write programs which uh, will not be accepted by the type checker all right that's one uh, main purpose catching errors i mean assuring better code so to say rejecting code that does not adhere to uh, to uh, typing discipline 
and the typing discipline is no longer a syntactic discipline. The second one is optimization. You analyze the code to achieve a goal in so far that the result maybe is faster or less memory or more, uh, there could be a number of things that one can uh, try to optimize um, and we will see that also during the lecture. Um, here's a bit uh, kind of like what I said before um, or I indicated that a bit before the nature of static analysis. Um, the, the, the compiler uh, consists of a number of uh, phases. Here is not so much of a compiler, the picture kind of like uh, refers to something which is known as Chomsky's hierarchy of languages or Chomsky Schützenberger's hierarchy of, uh, of, of languages. Languages in the theoretical meaning of describing sets of words, infinite sets of words in a way. And there are different levels of complexity of such languages. The simplest one are here called uh, L3. A better name or a more uh, well-known name uh, is perhaps regular languages. Regular languages are used in the Lexa part of a the compiler. Then comes the context-free languages and this is the domain of the parser. Often a restricted form but still uh, parsing is context-free languages in a way. Afterwards is the stuff that we are doing, static analysis. It's no longer context-free uh, because in that case the parser could do the job. We are doing more complicated stuff and that falls into the big, uh, very unstructured domain of um, context-sensitive languages. And finally comes the languages that are undecidable, Turing complete or whatever you call it, L0 languages here in this uh, account. Uh, and the behavior of the program is undecidable, so the actual runtime, that is typically undecidable. Uh, we are not much going into the direction of this language theory. Um, for lexing and parsing, the concepts of regular language and the concept of uh, context-free languages are very helpful. It helps you to understand the lexon, helps you to understand the parser um, in, a, in a meaningful way. Uh, to understand the type system, to understand the other kind of aspects of static analysis, data flow analysis, and so on, uh, knowing about the general concept of um, uh, context-sensitive languages does not bring much. So therefore, we don't deal with these language theoretic concepts. Though it is nice to, or everyone who um, knows a bit of compilers should should at least be exposed to this um, Chomsky hierarchy once. Uh, um, once in a lecture. Um, all right. Here's basically the same thing. The phases of a compiler is the lexa. The lexa generates tokens. The parser takes the stream of tokens, uh, builds a tree. It's called an abstract syntax tree. Afterwards comes some static analysis, um, perhaps for the purpose of optimization, perhaps for already uh, generating intermediate, another intermediate representation and at some point there comes the co-generation, maybe there's more optimization, another intermediate representation and so on, until finally um, bits of object code or bits are generated or maybe also a code of a, a virtual machine or, or things like that. The phases of the compilers um, is, is another thing that one should have in the back of one's mind. Um, most compilers follow a similar path um, but the, while the parse and the lecture typically are one phase, the static analysis or semantic analysis, as it's sometimes called, is often much more complicated. There's many phases, many optimizations, and many intermediate re representations. Um, people who were in were in the um, 
Kabbalah lecture in EN, EN, INF 5110, I think it's called. Uh, so they will have seen similar pictures or people who have had a look at a Kabbalah book will have seen similar pictures. How, uh, I should note, I should say that the lecture does not require you to have followed the Kabbalah lecture or to have read the Kabbalah book. It might help in a way, uh, but it is not um, required knowledge. So this the concept that we cover there. In particular, the stuff, all the stuff that we learned about lexing and parsing in the other lecture are irrelevant because we start fresh and look at stuff uh, that one can do about um, static analysis, in particular data flow and, and so on. And all that can be understood um, independent from other parts of uh, the things that played a major role in Kopala courses like parsing and so on. All right. Now, the static analysis or the semantic analysis has the following tasks for the purpose of optimization, for the purpose of finding some errors or warnings and so on. It needs to analyze the program. Actually, it needs to analyze the behavior of the program, not the syntax, because that would be easy. It analyzes the behavior of the program, basically looking into the future what the program will do once it's being run. Now, yeah, as they say, uh, predictions are complicated, especially if they uh, refer to the future. Uh, this in particular um, is true for, for compilers um, because they're dealing with the fact that the behavior of programs typically is undecidable. Maybe the behavior of one program may be decidable, but uh, we are dealing uh, with a tool or with the task of analyzing all programs. We are given the AST, the abstract syntax tree, of a random program and we must predict for all of possible inputs what it will do and that is undecidable. Um, a very well-known undecidable uh, um, property is the halting problem. It's kind of like the mother of all undecidable pro uh, problems for programs. Uh, Turing came up with that. Uh, but this undecidability for halting has consequences uh, and one consequence of that is uh, Rice's theorem. Rice's theorem says um, all interesting, all interesting in the sense of semantic problems, all semantic properties for programs in a decent programming language, of course, um, are undecidable. There is no hope. So you can't decide, which means exactly predict the behavior of arbitrary programs in a given programming languages. N there are no, no property, no nil pointer exception, will, um, no uh, runtime type error, will there be a deadlock, will there be this, will be that, nothing of that uh, is decidable. Okay, so that sounds like bad news for static analysis. Uh, what is the answer or the response of static analysis for that uh, sad fact? Uh, well, uh, it deals with approximations. Approximations uh, is illustrated here in this uh, picture as follows. This kind of like very irregular shaped uh, amoeba-like uh, bubble that's supposed to be the actual behavior, the semantic behavior of a program and uh, it's shaped irregularly indicating that it's complicated and actually undecidable what it will do when, when you run it. Now, approximation means, uh, undecidable means you can't figure it out. Now, what you could do is you can kind of like come close to it. The red one uh, here kind of like is halfway spot on. I mean, it kind of like uh, is not completely out of focus. Um, 
uh, it's called here unsafe because uh, sometimes you think something is a behavior of a program like maybe this one where in fact it is not but sometimes there is behavior of a program which you have not covered so therefore one could say that therefore two kinds of errors that the analysis does false positives and false negatives and now yeah, that is kind of like hit and miss and this is not the kind of approximation that we do we want at least we can't get exact that that's impossible but what we do is um, and many tools uh, do that they said well we make a compromise we say we make a safe over approximation which means we cover all the behavior we don't miss out on any behavior or we make a safe under approximation uh, we um, um, at least give the guarantee if we say it's a behavior program it actually is so these are two mirror images of uh, um, a compromise over approximation but safe or under approximation but safe and different analysis uh, will make uh, different um, choices there and we will see when uh, which part is appropriate and which not all right um, we do not deal with unsafe approximation in this lecture though uh, it's not to say that there is no place for it uh, over approximation or under approximation if you wish uh, often suffer from the following problem um, they are too rough so you if, if you have a very conservative over approximation trying to figure out whether there is a problem in your program maybe a deadlock and then uh, because the tool is not um, fancy enough or elaborate enough or because the problem is so complicated um, then throw one million warnings at the at the user saying there may be a deadlock here and here and here and here and so on so if you do that and the user gets 10 millions of potential deadlocks over approximating them uh, he will not be able to analyze that himself by looking at it and trying to figure out which one of the warnings are real and which one are just uh, false alarms um, so um, a unsafe um, analysis which kind of like mostly gets it right and sometimes misses some deadlocks sometimes flags some ones that are not there but still has a manageable amount of um, error uh, feedback for the user may actually be a, uh, a good alternative or a better choice uh, for that but again we don't do that um, the last slide for the motivational stuff is more like um, yeah some fact that could mean um, as motivation namely the promise that you never will be unemployed there is uh, something called full employment theory now of course it's it's uh, it's tongue-in-cheek uh, it's not meant as a statement uh, of uh, your job prospects uh, in that sense but well it's it's a mathematical uh, statement actually um, and it's officially known as full employment theorem there are other full employment theorems for other um, uh, um, areas uh, it's kind of like a statement about optimization and here it says um, and it's phrased as full employment it says that uh, give me a compiler for a decent language which is undecidable and so on and suffers from this uh, this these problems now give me a compiler and then tell me a criterion for when it's good like maybe fastness or, or memory consumption or stuff like that anyway um, give me a compiler there is a mathematical proven fact as a consequence of ultimately Turing so to say there is a mathematical proven fact that there exists for sure another uh, compiler which is better 
This is better, uh, kind of like the non-existence of an optimal compiler. This, yeah, this, it says really there is a better one. However, it's also not like you can just, you know, um, based on the CRM, come up with such a compiler because also that uh, is undecidable. Um, this is not a constructive statement. So the proof, if you want to prove, uh, look at the proof, which, which we don't do, but if you want to look at the proof of this full employment theorem, so to say, um, this is not a construction. And that's, of course, also good uh, in terms of uh, job uh, chances, because um, at least there is no tool that you feed in a compiler and he spits out a better one. Uh, there is no such such thing. It's undecidable. All right. That um, ends up this portion of the uh, lecture, the introduction. It is more like a warm-up, motivational things, what is static analysis. Probably most of the stuff um, you have uh, kind of like in the back of your head already. Uh, but anyway, and that's how we started and let's um, finish the recording therefore.